Well, good morning, Eastridge. So glad that you're with us this morning. Let's worship the Lord together. Stand to your feet if you're not already there, and let's sing some songs and praise the Lord this morning. All right? What are you turned? What are you turned into wine? Open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. None like you. Into the darkness you shine. Father, to you I 
worship you. I worship you. Come on, let's sing that again.
give us eyes to see that is who you are. Open our hearts to receive all that you're doing right now as you're at work in us. We give you praise. We worship you. this morning that whatever we came in here with, God, that we would lay it at your feet. We would commit it to you and we say, God, have your way. Do with this what you will. And Lord, let us have faith to believe that you are at work, that you are doing something that we cannot even see, even when we can't feel it, even when our senses are letting us down. Lord, that you are at work on our behalf. Lord, we worship you give you praise. We know there's nothing impossible for you. You are the great God. We love you. <laughs> we honor you this morning. There is truly none like you. None like you. You are greater. You are stronger. You are a healer. You are a provider. You are a very source. people said, amen, 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 amen. God is indeed our way maker, amen. I don't know what mountain may be standing before you, what giant may be standing before you, but you need to hear this morning that God is a way maker. He will make a way for you. In fact, he's already made a way Jesus declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. You see, while we were still lost in our sin and in our transgressions, God made a way through his son Jesus for you and I to be back in right relationship with God. I hope that you know that. I hope that you have accepted Jesus for what he's done for you and that you've experienced his grace in your life. If you haven't, then perhaps today you're going to discover that way that he has made for you and surrender your life to him and to that. I pray that God will meet you right where you're at today. I want to just say thank you for joining us for our online service today. Thanks for worshiping with us. Thank you, worship team, for leading us again today. And I want to just ask that you would open your heart now to the word of God. We're starting into a new series. Uh, last week we started, and it's cultivating this culture of honor. You see, God has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Scripture talks a lot about how we are to be different, that we're to live different, that we're not to be like the world. And in Romans chapter 12, which I shared last week, it tells us, do not be conformed to the patterns of the world. In other words, don't be like the world. Don't be, uh, you know, conformed to the, the way that they do things, the culture that you experience in the world. And although we're drawn to those things, we're impacted by those things, Jesus has called us to follow him and to be kingdom culture people kingdom citizens that look different, live different. That scripture goes on to say, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can test and know the perfect will of God. Jesus, when he was instructing his disciples on how to pray, he said, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. In other words, you're worthy. God, you are holy. You're worthy of all honor and praise. Hallowed be your name. And then it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, a lot of us, uh, we look towards heaven as this place where everything's going to be better and we'll experience God and, and, and all the greatness of heaven and what he has for us. But the reality is this, God, we're, we're going to have that opportunity to experience that if we've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. 
but God wants us to experience His will and His purpose right here on earth, just as it is in heaven. And, and so we've got to learn to live in this different culture, this different kingdom-mindedness. And part of that is this culture of honor. So we're going to take some time today to look at this again. And last week we were looking at how we honor God in our relationship with Him because all other relationships flow out of how well we do this relationship with God. So first and foremost, it's honoring Him. And then today we're going to look at how we honor authority and what God's Word has to say about honoring authority. Would you pray with me? And let's ask God to speak clearly to our hearts from His Word today. God, we acknowledge again the power of Your Word to shape our lives. God, I, I, I pray that each one who hears these words today, not my words, but Your words, that they would be open, that they would be receptive. I pray, God, that Your Word would not return void. You've promised that that would be the case. I pray, Lord, that You would truly touch us deeply with Your Word with your principles. I pray, God, that it would change our lives. God, that we would know how to live as kingdom culture people, as kingdom citizens. Lord, that our lives would be so different from the world that others would come to see your good deeds in us and that they would also come to know you as their Lord, as their Savior, and as their God. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to apply your word to our lives so that we would know how to live it out. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, today we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 13, uh, verses 1 through 7. Going to work through it kind of methodically, verse by verse. And uh, I'm going to spend quite a bit of time right at the beginning and then work through the latter verses uh, fairly quickly. So don't be alarmed if uh, we're 20 minutes into this thing and we're still on verse 1, all right? We're going to uh, try to get through this um, in a reasonable amount of time. But verse 1, Romans chapter 13, if you've got your Bibles, you've got it on a device, you can follow along with me. It says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Pretty straightforward. Uh, you probably don't need me to unpack this, but I want to just underscore a few things, emphasize a few things for you this morning. It says, let every person, that's right, all of us, doesn't matter who we are, where we come from, every person is to be subject to the governing authorities. I know some people might say, well, Pastor Doug, you don't know the authorities in my life. You don't know if they're going to be good or bad. You don't know if they're going to be evil, if they're going to intend harm for me. And hey, listen, if, if, you know, if there's harm that's intended, then you know, I, I'm not sure I'm ready to submit to that kind of authority. But the truth of the matter is, is God instructs us here to that every one of us be subject to the governing authorities. And with regard to whether or not those authorities are good or bad, it also makes no qualifier here. God doesn't qualify, oh, if they're good, then submit, then you know, be subject to their authority. No, no qualifiers. I know if you and I were writing this, we would add the qualifiers, right? So long as those authorities have your best interest in mind, go ahead and, and be submitted, subject to them you know, honor them as your authority, or, you know, so long as uh, we get along and I agree with everything that they say. Listen, that's not submission at all. If we only agree with them or only submit to them or only honor them when we agree with them, there are no qualifiers here. God says every person subject to the governing authorities, whoever those governing authorities are. And he goes on to say, there is no authority except from God, and, the, and that those that exist have been instituted by God. When we talk about this word subject to, it's, uh, it's a word that means to place underneath. It's really a military term. You'll know that in military, uh, there are people who are in authority. There's a, a rank and a chain, a line of, uh, of, of command that is in place, and you follow your leader. You follow the one who has authority over you. You, you obey them and you do what they say when they say it. And that's what's being uh, communicated here is that's the kind of being subjected, being in line, aligning our lives with the authority that God uh, appoints and implements, uh, institutes in our lives. So we submit, we honor, and we subject ourselves to the governing authorities. Now, uh, what's interesting about this is when we consider this question or we wrestle with this idea of bad leadership or bad authority or evil authority or 
you know, those who are not honoring God, do I really have to um, be subject to the authority that don't, are not subject to God? Um, it, it's interesting because the context of this passage and this letter that Paul writes to the church in Rome really addresses that issue. We know that Paul wrote this while Emperor Nero was in power. He was the ruler over Rome. And um, you may not know who Nero is. I would encourage you to Google it, look it up on the internet. Not right now. I, none of you would do that. Not during the midst of the message. But, you know, later, look it up uh, if you're curious. And what you're going to find is that um, all, all of the Roman sources that refer to Nero, all of them have overwhelming negative assessment of his personality, of his reign, of his life. Uh, in fact, you're not going to have to search very far to find some of the atrocities that, that came under his leadership. So we've got this, this evil ruler, this, this, you know, this person that has overwhelmingly negative uh, reports in history of who he was, how he lived, how he ruled. And yet Paul in the midst of that kind of authority in his life and in the, that authority over the Romans, he says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. I know that this is a, kind of a hard thing for us to, to grapple with and to, to really embrace and accept, but my hope and my prayer is that you would understand that there's a principle of honor that is part of God's kingdom and God's purposes that doesn't make sense to the world. But again, we're not to conform to the patterns of the world. We're to be transformed as we get this stuff, as we renew our minds with these principles that God instructs us with. You know, Paul also says uh, in Titus uh, chapter 3, verse 1, his letter to Titus, he says, Remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. So Paul doesn't just say it to the Romans. He's not, it's not a specific instance to a certain kind of certain people. You know, oh, th in this case, you need to submit. No, it's to everyone. And, and, and he, we see him addressing it in multiple places. And not only him, but we have Peter under the same, under Emperor Nero in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. Peter says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men whether to the king as a supreme authority or to the governors. So, you know, Peter is identifying it's not just to one authority, to the ultimate authority, but to all authority in our lives. Every authority that is instituted among men. So, you know, it, it could be, um, we could be talking about the, the prime minister or a president. We could be talking about uh, the cabinet. We could be talking about um, the, the, the government workers who enforce the laws, the police. Uh, we could be talking about, uh, if you're a student, we could be talking about a teacher, an administrator, a principal. If we're talking about uh, all of us, we can be referencing our parents, that we're to honor our parents. We know that's one of the commandments. And so um, it, it's, it's any authority that is instituted by men. And Paul says that was not instituted just by men, but that was instituted by God himself. Now, you may be asking, Pastor Doug, are there exceptions to this rule? Are there times where, maybe even in Scripture, where we see that people didn't submit? And what were the result, results of that? Is it ever right not to submit to that authority, not to honor and obey that authority in our lives? And you would be right if you assumed that there was. And let me just highlight a few of them for you. The first one that I think of is in Exodus chapter 1, where we have um, the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, who decrees that all baby boys, all baby Jewish boys, are to be killed at the time of birth. They're to be thrown into the river. Well, we know that um, any parent would want to protect their kids, but to do so would be to operate outside of the decree of the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And we know that Amram and Jacobed, that they did disobey the orders of Pharaoh and they protected their baby boy. They put him in a basket, they put him in the river, and we know that that baby boy came to be known as Moses. We see that God used this, even though they were not obedient, not submissive, not honoring the Pharaoh and his desire for all baby boys to be killed, that God used that situation, used Moses later for great things. And in the same kind of fashion, you're going to see this um, kind of as a rhythm or a, or a pattern in these situations. But 
In Daniel chapter 3, and then again in Daniel chapter 6, we have a couple more uh, examples. In Daniel chapter 3, we have King Nebuchadnezzar, evil, wicked king. And yet, um, uh, as evil and wicked as he was, we're going to see that God actually used him uh, in, in amazing ways. Um, and we'll get to that in just a second. But in Daniel chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar erects this idol, uh, this giant idol, and he says, everyone in the land must bow down. When you hear the trumpet, you need to bow down and worship this idol. Well, three of Daniel's friends, Shadrach, uh, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they decided, we're not doing this. We're not going to honor this, this decree. We're not going to bow before this idol because we serve the one true God. And so the trumpet blows, they don't bow, and we know that those boys got thrown into the fiery furnace. God spared them, so the protection was there, even though they had not obeyed, they had not surrendered and honored the decrees of the, the one in authority over them. Three chapters later, we have Daniel under King Darius. King Darius is kind of manipulated to, um, to write this law that for 30 days no one is to pray or worship anyone except for him. And really this is a ploy to capture Daniel and it, it works because Daniel in his faithfulness to God, he disobeys the command to not pray to anyone. And as he had done all of his life, he bowed and he prayed to God three times. They, they capture him, they bring him before King Darius. King Darius has to abide by the law that he created, and he throws him in the lion's den. We see that Daniel is protected in the lion's den, even though he had not submitted and honored the authority of the king. And then we have one other one that I want to highlight, which is in the New Testament in the book of Acts. Uh, we have the Jewish uh, Supreme Court, if you will. It's the, the high court of the Jewish leaders. It's the Sanhedrin. And they call Peter and John, the disciples, before them because they're upset with what they were doing, some of the activity that they had seen. And what we read in Acts chapter 4, verse 18 and following is this. So they, the Sanhedrin, called uh, the apostles back in and commanded them, so here leadership, authority in their lives, commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, do you think that God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. So Peter and John, they, they disobey, they dishonor the command of authority in their lives. And the issue is this, it's exactly what Peter and John declared. Do you think that God wants us to obey you rather than to obey him? In every one of these illustrations that I just shared, this is what is going on. We have a, a person in authority who is commanding that people do something that is against what God has instructed them. So do what I say rather than what God says, or don't do what uh, you know, don't do this, and, although God has said to do it. And so we have this disobedience to God. And in, in that situation, we have not only the right to, to go against that authority, but we have a responsibility to honor God and to honor Him above all. That's why last week we started with the vertical relationship and honoring God, because if we don't have that right, we won't get anything else right. And it's, it's in that context that it is acceptable. There is an exception to this rule of honoring and obeying, submitting, subjecting ourselves to the authorities that are in our lives. But it's only in that case that we find in Scripture. This is the only parameter, this is the only caveat that we have to not honoring that authority in our lives. Outside of those moments, we are called, we are commanded to submit to the authority in our lives. The latter part of verse 1 says that there is no authority except from God and that those that exist have been instituted by God. We have to recognize that those in positions of authority are not there of their own doing, but they are there as a representative of God and God's authority. When we see it that way, we recognize that because the authority is not theirs alone and that it is created by God, that when we honor those people, we are honoring God himself. And on the flip side, when we dishonor them, we're dishonoring the authority that God has instituted. So we're not just dishonoring an individual, we're dishonoring God. How many of you know that's not the place that we want to live? You know, whether I mentioned before, whether it's a, a coach or a teacher or an administrator, 
kid, uh, students, we have a responsibility, an obligation to, to develop this culture of honor of those in a place of authority over us. And for those of you in the work field, those who are in authority, business owners, uh, bosses, uh, managers, they have a position of authority. You may not like them, you may not agree with them, but God's word instructs us to honor them, to be subject to them, to respect them. And, and I believe that as we do that, um, there is a reward that comes with it. I'm going to get to that in just a moment. In just a moment. But uh, as a side note for all of you parents, this is something that um, is a great responsibility for us as we raise our kids to create and cultivate this culture of honor. It is critical that we are very, very careful with how we model this for our kids. Let me just share with you an example of where in my own life and in the live, lives of other parents, I have seen this become a challenge. We're protective as parents, of course. And in that protective nature, when we hear of something that happens to our kids, we want to jump in and protect. God has created us to do that, and there's, there's uh, an element of health in that. However, I myself and in the lives of others, I have seen where parents have heard something about conflict or something that did not sound, uh, didn't sit well with them about a relationship in, at school or in sports or some other area of their kids' lives. And when we hear something bad and we go into protective mode, oftentimes we will begin to undercut them with our words. It's happened in our house, around the table, when we hear about something that has happened that strikes us as, as um, you know, it just doesn't sit right, and, and, and we're upset or we're frustrated with the situation, and it's easy for us to go, well, they don't know what they're talking about. In, in that moment, as we dishonor the authority that is in our children's lives, we give permission to our kids to do the same. What we do in moderation, our kids will do in excess. And we have got to learn to honor and respect uh, the authority that is in our kids' lives and teach them, train them to cultivate that same kind of culture of honor. Otherwise, we set them up for failure and we set them up to dishonor not only those people, but to dishonor God. Um, so that was a side note, just a, an encouragement, a challenge for all of us as parents and the, the great responsibility we have to help our kids cultivate this culture of honor. Now, you may be listening to this, and you may be thinking and processing through, oh, really, Pastor Doug, are you saying that all authority, even the evil dictator, even the oppressive government leaders who ha do not have people's best interest in mind, those who are doing things to hurt and harm, do we are you really saying, Pastor Doug, that I've got to sub be subjected and honor those positions of authority in my life? Listen, I'm not the one saying it. This is God's word. There is no authority except, for, except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. We are to be subject to the governing authorities. I know that that's hard to embrace. I know that that's hard for us to, to understand, but I think if we understand this principle of honor and what God was saying and what he wasn't saying, then it will help us to, to do this better or to do this well. God was saying that all authority is instituted by him. He was not saying that all authority will be godly. We know that that's the case. It happens everywhere, including the church. God instituted the church. He created the church. But we know that there are church leaders who are evil and manipulative, and they do things that are not honoring to God. And so uh, in those places of leadership, we go, wait a second, are we really supposed to be subject to them? And the answer is yes. We are supposed to subject to the position of, of authority. We don't have to agree with the person. We don't have to agree with their actions or with their attitudes or with what they're doing or saying. But what we do have to do is sub be submitted and honor the position of authority. And whoever's in that position of authority, we learn to honor them. There's an illustration that I want to share. I don't want to share too much because next week we're going to talk about how do we live to honor people who uh, are difficult to honor because of these reasons. But there's an illustration that I want to share. There's, uh, we, we referenced King Nebuchadnezzar, an evil, wicked king. We know that, um, that God used King Nebuchadnezzar 
to bring judgment on the, his people, on, on Judah. King Nebuchadnezzar led Babylon to overtake uh, uh, Judah, and, and it was under that that, that the, uh, the people were exiled. And in that time, well, we know that Daniel came to serve underneath King Nebuchadnezzar. And it's really quite amazing what God has to say about King Nebuchadnezzar and what happens in that king's life. We read uh, in Jeremiah 27, verse 6. Now remember, King Nebuchadnezzar is a wicked man, evil, evil king. And in in Jeremiah 27, 6, it says, Now, God says, Now I have given all of these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. God calls this wicked king his servant. And he goes on, he says, I have given... Uh, him also the beasts of the field to serve him. God is providing and taking care of King Nebuchadnezzar. <clears throat> now we know that Daniel comes becomes captive under this King Nebuchadnezzar, and he honors the king uh, throughout his life. He chooses to honor King Nebuchadnezzar and live out this principle of honor, and and he does it without compromising compromising his testimony. It's really amazing what happens because God. Uh, reveals himself to King Nebuchadnezzar, and King Nebuchadnezzar comes to uh, uh, recognize that that there is one true God. What we read in Daniel chapter 4 is, uh, uh, let me just read it, and then uh, let me just explain what happens. King Nebuchadnezzar declares, let every man know that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world, and that he, God, gives them to anyone he chooses. Let me read it again. Let everyone know that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and that He gives them to anyone He chooses. Listen, this statement is made not just this one time in verse 17, but three more times. So a total of four times over just a few verses here in Daniel chapter 4 and chapter 5. And I believe that that repetition is because God was driving home a point that we need to recognize today, and it was this. Evil, wicked king is given the ability to bless or judge the people of God. And God can do that with anyone he likes. Why? Because in this declaration that the most high rules over all the kingdoms of the world, not just the kingdoms, but the kings who rule those worlds, those, uh, those kingdoms of the world, and God gives them to anyone he chooses. What he's saying is, I'm not subject to these kings, these wicked kings. I'm in control of them. I'm over them. They are subject to me, and I choose who I'm going to use for what purposes. But his purposes will be fulfilled, regardless of the authority that he allows and places and institutes. You know, as we begin to recognize that point, we realize that the God that we serve is the one who institutes authority. And if we honor that authority, we honor him. If we dishonor that authority, we dishonor him. Why? Because it's all incorporated. It's all instituted. It's all from God. Coordinated, organized, planned out by him. Verses 2 and 3 says, Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. Those who resist will judge, uh, incur judgment. Verse 3, For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. Do you hear what he's saying here? He's saying, listen, you have a choice of whether you're going to honor and respect and sub be subjected to the authority of your life or resist them. But there's a consequence either way. And the consequence of, of honoring and, and submitting to authority is an, it's, it's a reward. God has a reward. He rewards those who honor him. And we honor him through honoring those in authority. And if we resist, if we dishonor the authority in our lives, what does it say is going to happen? <clears throat> we will incur judgment. So you choose. Are you going to honor authority and receive uh, the, the reward that God desires to give you, or are you going to resist it, dishonor the authority, and incur the judgment? It's a really simple principle. Honor, reward. Dishonor, judgment. It, it's, it's really quite simple, but yet so difficult for us to live out and to walk out. It's why we're talking about it, because it's something that's got to be cultivated in us. Verse 4 says, <clears throat> He, being the authority in our lives... 
He is God's servant for your good. God uses people, and as a servant, he uses them for our good. Uh, but if you do wrong, be afraid. For, if he, uh, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God. So he says he is a servant of God twice. These authorities, again, it's illustrating for us that these are my servants. They serve me. They may not know it. They may not be intending to, but I will use them as I decree and d- decide. I will choose to use them for my purposes. They are God's servants, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. So God uses them, uses people in authority to bring judgment, to bring his wrath on the evildoer. And, and then as we move on, it says, therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. So of course, to honor God, we do so to avoid the wrath of God, but not only for that purpose, but for a clear conscience, for the matter of conscience. Now, in our lives, you've experienced it. You, you can have peace, you can have a clear conscience, or you can have a guilty conscience. You can feel guilt and shame and have a guilty conscience. And I think that's what happens when we are sensitive to the things of God. If we're out of line with God, outside of His will, His plans, His purposes, we start to feel shame and guilt because we're not in a line with what his purposes are for our lives. That's what happens when we dishonor. That's what happens when we resist the authority that God has allowed in our lives. And yet, on the flip side of that, as we honor them, we have a clear conscience. As we honor them, we honor God, and our lives are in line, right? That, that, That term that I mentioned before, that we are subjected to, we are in line that line goes right up to God because God has orchestrated all of it. And so we can, we can have a clear conscience. You want to have a clear conscience? Honor the authority that's in your life. You know, there are some who would say, well, I don't, I don't honor authority and I don't feel guilty about it. I think that there's generally one of two things that are happening when you hear those kind of words. And Maybe you've uttered those kind of words. Well, I don't, I don't agree with them, and so I'm not going to honor them. Yeah, they're, an, they're a, a, an authority in my life, but I don't care because I don't agree with them. If, if that's the word that comes off of your tongue or off your lips, or you hear someone else say something like that, I think one of two things are happening. Number one, either you don't fully understand this honor culture that God intends us to live by, and so because you don't know, there's ignorance, and ignorance is bliss. You don't know, so you don't submit to this kind of principle in your life, and let me just tell you that ignorance is not always bliss because at some point you're going to have to answer for the truth, and now you've heard the truth, and so if it's the case, now you've got to reevaluate. Well, maybe I do need to care. Maybe I do need to submit, Maybe I can't say anymore, I don't care. I'm not going to submit to them. Uh, I don't feel guilty about it. I don't feel any shame in it. Um, Now you've heard the truth and you'll know that when you act that way, when you speak that way, that you're dishonoring God, not just the person, you're dishonoring God. Secondly, I think sometimes what happens is um, we override our conscience. When we override our conscience, we, we don't allow the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and and we, we suppress that. We suppress the work of God in our lives by, by ignoring it or by say, justifying it, by, by saying, well, I, I just don't, you know, I don't, I don't care. Um, you know, there are many things that we, we do in our lives to push away this prompting of the Holy Spirit that is trying to keep us in step and in line, in line with God. And, and sometimes we override our conscience. Can I just warn you? Do not do that. Do not live in that place. The greatest gift that God has given us for this present day is the work of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself and how he works in our lives to gently direct and guide and help us to live to honor God. If we, if we suppress that and we suppress the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we're in a, a dangerous place. And I want to encourage you, don't ever come to that place. So in other words, don't ever say, well, I don't feel guilty for not honoring that authority in my life because now you know the truth and God has called us, challenged us, commanded us to give honor to those authorities. As we continue on into verses six and seven in conclusion, it says, for because of this, you also pay taxes. Pay taxes? Yeah, that's part of honoring the authority that's in our life. There's an authority structure that we live under. It's not just the people, 
but it's the structures that are, that are designed and upheld by those people. For this reason also, pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, those who are working for those systems, those governments, those places of, of authority in our lives. They are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed them. Pay to all what is owed them. Listen to the, the owing that we're going to hear here throughout these verses. It says, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. What Paul is reminding of us here is that there are things that are owed. Living in this world, living in this life, there are things that must be paid. We owe things based on our environment, our situation, and the systems and structures that are in place. And one of those is the structure of government and taxes in our lives. I know some people are like, oh, I can't stand taxes. I don't understand why they need all that money. And, and to be real honest, there are a lot of people who cheat, who cut corners. And it, listen, no condemnation, but if, if that's you, you need to understand that this is clear instruction that we're to pay what is owed, not to cut corners, not to try to minimize what we have to pay. Now listen, I know that there are legal things that you can do to reduce your tax, and that's fine, but, but beyond that, trying to cheat and cut corners is not right. It's not honoring. In fact, it's quite the opposite. We dishonor those systems of authority that God has placed in our lives. Not only is it, is it financial and it, with our resources, but then Paul moves on beyond that to, say, to, to uh, advise us to, uh, to give not only the resources, but respect and honor where it is owed. You know, um, when we talk about leadership in our lives, um, you know, of course, the, the very... Uh, the very uh, obvious one would be in any country would be the prime minister, the president, the, this, the ultimate leader of that country. And it grieves me when I hear people say, he's not my president. I'm not referring to any specific president, but I've heard that over the years when someone you know, from America has said, well, I didn't vote for them. They're not my president. Or, you know, perhaps in this setting, in this environment, maybe in Ethiopia, uh, somebody doesn't like the, the prime minister and they say, he's not my prime minister. I don't agree with him. I don't, I don't like the way he's leading and, and will just dismiss. He's not my leader. Can I, can I challenge us as followers of God and, and those who, who are responsible to follow this instruction and, and this word of God? that those words should never flow off of our tongues, that we should never come to a place where we try to dismiss ourselves from the leadership or authority of someone in our lives. Why? Because they didn't put themselves there, God did. And as soon as you say, they're not my leader, you're saying, well, God, I don't care what you're going to do. I'm not going to submit to it. And we're dishonoring not only the person, but we're dishonoring God. You know, we don't have to like them. We don't have to agree with them. Uh, there, there may be a conflict in our views, in our opinions, even in our values. Uh, it doesn't matter. The command is to honor authority. I know that that's hard. I know that that's difficult for many of us to, to embrace. But I want to just encourage you that when it becomes difficult, when there is a person in a place of authority over you that you struggle to honor, I want to ask you to do one simple thing that I have found to be highly effective for me. And that is simply to pray for them. Listen, when I struggle to honor someone in my life, there is nothing that changes my heart, my opinion, my attitude quicker than praying for them, lifting them to God. God, would you be with them? Would you help them? Would you give them the same heart that you desire them to have? Would you speak into their lives? Would you cause them to be sensitive to the leading of your spirit? God, would you help them to lead my business, lead my church, lead my nation into the things that would honor you? As you begin to pray for someone by name who is in a position of authority, watch how quickly your heart and your attitude will change towards them. You may still not like them. You may not still not agree with their decisions, but you will learn to cultivate this culture of honor the way God has designed it to work.
And I want to encourage you, as a follower of Jesus, that we are called to live this kind of culture, kingdom culture. God, we thank you for this instruction. And although it is difficult, it is hard, we trust, God, that you're going to help us, that you're going to lead us to a place where we begin to better understand and live it out, walk it out. I pray, God, that if there be questions that people are carrying, that they would find answers in your word. I pray, God, that, that there would be clarity, not confusion, but clarity. We know that your word leads us to truth and to clarity. So, God, I pray that you would do that with those who are struggling with this challenge this morning. God, that you would reveal to them more truth so that they could have real clarity on what it looks like to honor the authority in their lives. And, God, as we do that, we know that we're honoring you. And God, as we honor you, I believe, Lord, that you're going to use us to expand your kingdom and help others to come to know you as Lord and Savior of their lives. God, help us to do that. Help us to be strengthened and encouraged when we are weak, because we know, God, that all of these things, it's not by our own strength, but it's by your Spirit that is at work in us, that we are able to accomplish these things in our lives. Holy Spirit, we invite you to lead us, to guide us, to prompt us to tap us on the shoulder, and to keep us in line, to keep us subject to the authority of God and the authority that he has put in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I love you. I believe in you. I want to just remind you of our Telegram Tuesday. If you want to join us for a service here at the church, Sunday mornings, 9, 10, 10, and 11, 30, but you need to make a reservation, you can do that on our Telegram group. That's Eastridge Church Addis. You can join us there, follow us, pin it so that you don't miss any upcoming information and reserve your space to come and be a part of one of our services. We look forward to seeing you real soon. God bless. Have a great week.